This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. T.O. Gray Hospital. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey. The year is 1 AJ, after Justin. I am your host, Joe Keegan, and joined with me today is my super unreliable host, Amy Nelson. But luckily, she's not away on a cruise or drinking wine in a vineyard. She's here with us. Amy, how are you? Wow, (laughs) unreliable. No, you know I jest. I love you too much for that to be true. No. And there's a thing, there's a thing about me. If I like you, I'm kind of yeah, mean. I have learned that these past couple of years, hanging out with you at STLV. Mm. I, I, my skin yeah. is getting thicker. Don't worry. <laughs> but if I don't like you, then I'm just a bit ambivalent yeah. towards you. So you doing well, good? Well, yes. And we are now in similar situations during this time of mm-hmm. COVID-19. No more teaching until further notice. So we're sort of stuck at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's never, I've never been in a situation yeah. like this ever. I don't want to be flipping about it, but it kind of feels like we're in the, in a movie where things are kind of grinding to a halt and you're seeing the best and worst of humanity in different mm-hmm. things. Like you've seen people hoard toilet papers and clear whole shelves of supermarkets um, but then you've seen really nice things that people banded together to help other people yes. out. Those are my favorite things to read. Yes, things that warm your heart. So this is literally day one for us because I finished up school yesterday. So And we're doing fine. I'm quite upbeat and high-spirited. But it's like how... How bad's yeah. going to get? What's going to happen? Well, and thankfully, podcasting, we are definitely keeping our social distancing since you are still over there in <laughs> Scotland and I am still over here in Las Vegas. But we. Mm-hmm. That's some social it distance, is, isn't yes. it? Millions Do, of miles. Yeah, Millions. we still get to see each other and talk to each other and talk about Star Trek. So it's all good. It is indeed. So we have some Babel Conference feedback from Earl Grey 316 which was our favourite exoplanets with our amazing guest, Michael Wong, from the podcast Strange New Worlds. Amy, can you read first bit of feedback? So we have Vera Bible, who writes, Terrific episode. Justin, I'm 100% on board with choosing planets based on where you'd want to go on vacation. Beta Z and Risa are also number one and number two for me. I hadn't heard of Mike's podcast before, but I will definitely check it out. His knowledge of planetary science was impressive, and I found myself wanting to learn more. Given everything that is going on right now, it is so enjoyable to be able to escape to the stars for an hour. Thanks so much for all of your hard work, guys. Well, Vera, what a very lovely message. Isn't it? Vera always gives good messages and good feedback. Thank you, Vera. Yeah, do you know what? We'd all go to a holiday planet, wouldn't we? Our first stop would be Riza, let's be honest. Beta Z is very beautiful as well. Of course it is, but Rise is that holiday planet where it's just idyllic and cl- a whole climate exactly control planet. Exactly right, that's that be cool. definitely yes. a big draw. And likewise, I haven't heard of Mike's podcast either, so I have still to check that out. And goodness knows I have so much time that I'll be able to catch up on everything. Exactly, and I was just on Strange New Worlds which came out, by the time this drops, came out two weeks ago. 
you were just on a strange I new was. world. I was. Michael contacted me, and so now I've been oh, on his podcast. I see. Oh, you were on a podcast called Strange with New Michael World. With Michael Wong. Yeah, you went on a Strange yes, New World. Yes, I was. Like you didn't leave Earth. <laughs> well, almost, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, Amy, surprise topic okay. for you. Scottish sayings and phrases. Okay. Because <laughs> you'll be, I'm sure you'll be good okay. at this. Okay. What about this one? I want you to tell me what okay. you think it means. You're a wee scunner. You're a wee scunner? Oh, you don't have to repeat it back. <laughs> but I'm practicing my accent. You know, we don't want, we might have listeners in Scotland who would be offended. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to assume that you, that that means that uh, the person is a youth, younger, smaller person than adult. Okay, cool. So basically it means that you're a little whiner or a nuisance. Oh, so a Joe. So we... Ba-da-boom. How dare you? Was that your impression of yeah. a drum kit? Wow, it was nearly as no, bad as your Scottish spot accent. spot on. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways, what about this next one? She's up to high dough. She's up to high dough? <laughs> dough. No. She's up to high dough. What do you think this means? She's up to no good. Do as in D-O-H, as in the musical note. Like do a deer, a well, female deer. Well, that's D-O-E. Do is like... No, that's D-O-H. <laughs> I don't think so. No, D-O-E is the I know. deer. But... <laughs> D-O-H is the note. Okay. D-O apostrophe H is what Homer yeah. says. Do. So you're up to no good. Yep. That's my best guess. No, it means you're all worked up. Oh. Being all stressed and like high-pitched and tense to be up to high dough. Uh-huh. I don't know what some of these mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I like this one. I've used this one before. Uh, don't be a weak leap. Okay, I don't... Okay, I guess part of it is that I've never even heard of these words. So, clip. It's yes. always the so last I think the key word, word there, that I yes. don't recognize. Okay, so say it again. Don't be a wee clipe. Don't be a wee clipe. Um, don't be a tattletale. Yeah. Nuh-uh. That's what clipe means, yeah. Oh my gosh. You guys, I just totally... <laughs> That's amazing. Whoa. Wow. There must be something universal about that translation. <laughs> about the word clipe. A clipe. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Wow. Another word for clipe is grass, which you'll probably be more familiar with. No. Like to grass somebody in, no? Oh, I've never heard of that. Okay. Or a snitch. Yes. Snitches yep. get stitches. I try to yeah. tell my kids that's not true, but you know. Oh yes, you don't want to go yeah. stab somebody. That'd be bad. Your bum's at the windy. Your bum's at the windy? Oot. <laughs> Your bum's Oot the windy. Oot the windy. Um, you're a streaker. <laughs> no. So those words mean your bum is out the window. Your bum's out the windy. It means you're talking rubbish. Oh, okay. I can you're see that. talking trash. Yeah. Okay. So um, just a side note. Do uh -huh. in the keyboard, do, re, mi mm -hmm. is D-O. Yeah. So we were both wrong. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. This person has clearly written this website wrong. Oh, this okay. will be an easy one. I'm going to the pictures. Oh, you're going to the movies. Okay. Yes. I'm getting the messages. Oh, you're... I'm getting the messages. You're picking up the mail. Oh. No, I'm going grocery shopping. Oh, yes. I've heard the that. The messages. That is so yeah. bizarre. Why is messages groceries? Then, okay. Who knows? Scotland. Because okay. Scotland. Because we can. the reason we need. Okay, and that's the last one. I think you've got one right out Excuse of seven. Excuse me? Two. Okay, two. <laughs> Fine. Away and bile your heed. I'm... Away and bile your heed. Is the last word heed or heat? Heed. H-E-I-D. Oh my gosh. Okay, say it one more Away time. Away and bile your heed. Away and bile your heed. Away and boil your head. Go away and don't talk to me. Translates as away and boil your head. What? What does that I know. mean? It means get lost. So I was right. Get lost. What did you said say? Go away. Oh well, yeah, but that's, that's a, bit, a little too nice for. It's a bit timid, <laughs> away, isn't yeah, it? I'm going to boil your head. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's an aggressive tone to it. It's just like, oh, shut up and go away. And stop talking yeah. rubbish. 
I win by your heat. All well right. done, Amy. So I'll say two and a half. Okay, okay, let's go with that. Cool. Excellent. Are there any American phrases? You know, I'll have to think about that. Yes, Get back I will. to me and we'll do a, I'll be good at this because I've seen the Goonies and Short Circuit and War <laughs> Games recently. <Okay>. So <laughs> I love Short Circuit. Seen all things American. No, I've seen all the good mm-hmm. American movies from the 80s. Anyways, enough of this nonsense, Amy. Let's get to what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to continue our discussion on this series covering the fan collection set. Today, we're going to talk about the time travel episodes that were voted fan favourites. And there were three episodes, or five, depending on how you count episodes. And those are Cause and Effect, Time's Arrow Part 1 and 2, and All Good Things. Is All Good Things Part 1 and no, Part 2, or is it just a 90-minute episode? Yes. It's one episode. So really, four yes. episodes or three. Yeah. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about cause and effect. Do we have a little synopsis for our listeners about cause and well, effect? Well, this is the one that has the best cold open in all of Star Trek in that ever. ever yes. In mm-hmm. that we see at the opening Picard giving the order, all hands abandon ship and the Enterprise D exploding. And then after each act, it's a repetition of the same thing. So it's our loop episode. Most yes. people know cause and effect, but that would be my synopsis. You have to. That's okay. a good synopsis. I think this is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. It, it is mine too. When people say, you know, what's your favorite? It is this one and parallels I, and all good things. Like, well, the, I have so many, but like, hmm. it's definitely right there on the top. No, when you get older, you like the intelligent things and the... The character development behind what goes into an episode more than you did when you were younger. But as I got older, I like the mm-hmm. action and the explosions and the phasers and the battles, really. I think that's my yeah. thing. I think that's maybe why I'm not liking Picard. Yeah. Really. Well, with cause and effect, I think there's a good balance and I can see what you're saying. But what I love about this is that the loops, it's like the same dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's only... You know, the last two loops where things change a little bit, but they're saying the same thing. And what is what fascinates me is the director of this and how they're choosing the different camera angles to keep mm-hmm. it interesting, okay. even though it is exactly the same dialogue. And so in every single loop, we're getting we're hearing the same words and it's like, OK, are they going to figure it out this time? Are they going to figure it out? And the way that the the just the smallest nuance of their facial expressions or the camera angle or what, yeah, the camera decides to focus on between each loop, I think is what makes it for mm-hmm. me visually interesting. So it's not just the same thing over and over again with a bunch of talking because there is definitely a lot of talking in this episode. Yeah, and I don't mind that because it's... As the viewer, you're kind of in on what's going on almost, even though you don't know necessarily at the beginning that they're in a a loop, but the fact that it repeats itself, like the whole act repeats itself again and again, I think you, as the viewer, get in on that before the characters necessarily Mm -hmm. do. You're watching for them, especially the poker scene where Data deals all threes and you know the end of the last act, um, where he encoded himself with Mm -hmm. the number three so he's transferred that back and that's there's something in their plan that's actually Mm -hmm. working and to help them try and escape from it yeah so one thing that i absolutely love about this episode is i almost consider it a beverly episode because she sort of takes the lead and Mm -hmm. she's the one who's you know hearing the voices she's the one that's recognizing the cards being dealt the same you know a queen a two a seven Um, so, and she's the one who's taking the lead of, we need to run sensors. I heard voices. We need, you know, I remember giving Jordy the same examination. So I like that this is with Beverly as sort of the central Mm -hmm. character. I mean, they all have a role, but I I like that this is a Beverly, in my opinion, episode. And it's not a medical episode. So she's not using her main skills. It's just that. She's the first one to notice all the voices, which is a really creepy scene. She's going to bed and she's having her little yes, sherry yeah. or whatever it is, which is so cute. And her wee kind of satin dressing gown. And then she knocks it over when the voices come. Okay. 
That would terrify the living daylights out of me. That is also, when I think of cause and effect, that is the main theme that I get from this is fate. That do we believe in fate? Because four times Mm. she knocks over that glass. The last two, she intentionally moves the glass away from her nightstand, you know, puts it on the table by her orchids. And the glass, by goodness, breaks every single time. So was that fate? Is that the, the glass was meant to be broken? No matter what choices she makes, that glass will always be broken. And if that's the case, then what in our lives is fate? That no matter what we choose, this was meant to happen. Joe, do you believe in fate? Whoa, that's a big existential yes. question, isn't it, Amy? That's why I love this episode so much. Hmm. I think the way they filmed the episode with that continuous glass breaking, they believe that fate's a thing, or at least for the episode, that no matter what happened, that glass was always going to break. But in reality, I don't know if fate's a thing. don't know if there's any evidence for such a thing as fate. Personally, I don't believe i think we're masters of our own destiny and we can we can create the future as we see fit within certain parameters i definitely want to believe that but there's just some things like major in my life case in point like me becoming a teacher like that was not in my plan when i was going to university i mean i was going down a completely yeah. different path but how choices happened. And then it was like, well, I, you know, I'm going to be this math teacher. So had I made different choices, maybe studied something different in university, would I still have ended up being a math teacher? Because I really believe that I was meant to be a teacher. Like, I love what I do. I think I'm good at it. I try my best. You know what I mean? Would it have worked out if I made different choices, that I would still be a teacher? I would like to think yes, because you made those choices. I don't think there was any higher being or some force in the universe that was making you make those choices. I think you happened upon a career that was a natural fit for you and your personality, which is why you're a, mm-hmm. a teacher. It's hard to, I don't think, we, we can't say whether fate's a thing. Right, unless we go through these loops and see... Well, if I would have made a different Uh choice, do I still end up a teacher? You know, and then try it again. If I loop back, if I make it different, do I still end up a teacher? That would be a fun experiment, actually. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. It's really confusing now. I really don't like time travel. It confuses me. Did you see my did you see my joke about the about COVID-19 on Facebook? I wish it was a, a coronavirus where the symptoms were random time jumping. Oh, like chrono as in Oh, time, yeah, 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 yeah. As in like chronological. Chronometer, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to corona. Uh-huh. corona. Oh, yeah, so very fitting for this episode. It's funny. But we'd never be able to find anybody because <laughs> everybody that had it would just be jumping back and forth right. through time. Okay, so a lot of people believe in fate um, when they say or use the words, well, I was meant to be with this person or... You know, that we were, we found each other, like talking about a significant other. Mm -hmm. Like, they're the one. Okay, I see me being with Ewan for like ever until the sun explodes. However, I don't think it was fated. I was just, (laughs) I I call it a one night stand that lasted 14 years. (laughs) You know, Um, it's just one of those things you meet someday and it, it works. And the good thing about Ewan and I is that we both love Star Trek, so... Look at this major thing mm-hmm. in common, which is one thing that really helps to make it work. What about you and your SO? Well, it's definitely not been as long. We're still in months. Um, but no, and it's interesting because I've had this discussion with him as well. And and we both don't believe in like meant to be or fate that, you know, you're the one Yeah. So that's nice. Because relationships are hard, aren't they? You have to work at them. Yes, you do. Because the beginning's always fun and kind (laughs) of... Easy. Don't want to get too inappropriate. But yeah, it's passionate and it's exciting and it's this new, it's this new shiny object that's in your life and you just want to know all about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But when that fades, then 
if you're going to have the longevity of a, a long-term relationship. And you really have to work at it and kind of keep yourself, don't let yourself go. Now, don't just become a slob and lie on the couch and eat ice cream. Right. It's been interesting with this coronavirus happening at the, you know, during our newness of our relationship. Um, so this, he, you know, we're all on quarantine. And so having this much time together is definitely shining a light on, <laughs> on us, if you will. <laughs> I won't ask. Let's just it leave sounds... it at that. <laughs> Is it a really bright light? It's a very bright light, yes. Well, normally people would have the lights off, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's interesting. Um, Shall we move on to time zero? Shall we? Yes. So just to sum up, Cause and Effect is our favourite episode. It is. Okay, and... It's difficult, there's so many favourite episodes. So, and interesting if we distinguish this from the other episodes that we're going to talk about, this is a a loop in time where they're travelling forward in time and then when they get to a certain point, they just jump back Mm -hmm. and repeat that for until they figure a way out of the time loop. And I love that visual that Jordy explains his little PowerPoint. Jordy's PowerPoints are always the best. I absolutely love that one. So. Are you implying that Microsoft still exists? Yes, I in am. In the 24th Oh, maybe it's probably Google Slides because Google's really taken over right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you think the CEOs of these companies are still alive? They've been frozen because they're billionaires and they're still in charge of the companies. They are, and they're going to be woken up and we're going to be in the neutral zone and they're going to want to go back and check <sighs> their stocks. Oh, and they won't exist. Yeah. So let's move on to our next episode, which is Time's Arrow Part 1 and 2. Amy, could you regale our listeners with a synopsis? All right, listeners, I haven't written anything down, so this is just me talking to you. Uh, This is the one where we find uh, some alien residue and artifacts in a... And so the Enterprise-D is called back to Earth. And when they scan and they find... Data's head. Oh my goodness. And there's some phase shifting going on and a portal opens up and then Data, uh, or I'm so sorry. So Data is working on and trying to figure this out and he gets shifted and he gets stuck in the uh, 1900s. I never know what (laughs) century that is. Is that 18th century? Um, no, he gets stuck in the 1800s, which is the 19th okay. century. Okay, all right. So, st- yeah. thank you for the 19th century. And so then the crew uh, tries to save them. They end up all going back to the 19th century. Uh, they mm-hmm. figure out that there's these aliens sucking the life out of uh, the people during an epidemic, mind you. So it was very interesting watching during this particular time in our lives in 2020. True. And uh, the Viridians are the bad guys, and they figure things out, and everyone gets back, um, and Data's head gets sewn back on his other body, so we have two different parts of Data now. Okay, so by sewing on, do you mean like... Stitched with fabric. <laughs> well, how else are you going to attach a head to a body? Um, electromagnetic interlocking. But then know. with the skin? Well, yeah, you know, it's android sewing. It, oh, yeah. okay. Right. Not a dermal regenerator. Yes. Then. Well, okay. it's not skin. Is it not bioplast sheeting? I don't think it's bio anything. Because he hasn't but met remember, the Borg, remember, when she put skin on him? True, but remember the most toys, when they scan data after they, they incapacitate him. Yeah. And she's like, oh, 4.5 kilograms of molybdenum cobalt alloy, 2.3 kilograms of bioplast sheeting. She's given the ingredients oh, of data. right. I always figured the bioplast sheeting was the skin. Okay. A random guess. Yeah. I don't know why. So, yeah. Okay. I... I Never really knew what to think about this episode. I thought it was just, I didn't, I think as a teenager, I really didn't understand it. Like, what is happening? Why is Data's head under San Francisco? What are triolic waves? Who are the Davidians? 
why is there a snake that's also a walking stick? Mm-hmm. Um, everything. Why is Guinan in the past? Why is Mark Twain there? So many questions. So I think the episode really never made sense to me. But having watched it since, actually, I can ignore all the wee hokey bits. Like that snake, the Davidian triolic wave generator that opens up a portal. I can kind of compartmentalise all those little niggly bits that annoy me and enjoy the episode. Yeah, it's very interesting because this one isn't a loop. This is one that sort of goes through time. Yeah, they jump back from 24th century back to the 18th century and then jump back forward to the 24th century. Mm-hmm. And I like that Guinan remembers the past and so she knows what's going to happen and Riker's like, you've got to help us. And she's like, I'm not telling you anything. Uh and so we've got like Guinan knowing part of the story, but then when they mm-hmm. go back and then Guinan meets him for the first time, like she doesn't know. And now our crew knows the rest of the story, right? Sort of that. I like that switch there. Yeah. Is Guinan, Guinan in the 19th century is 19th century Guinan. Yes. And she's just on earth doing her yes. Elorian yes. traveler things that she does. Right. Because she knows she's an alien. Yeah. And so she knows. Right, yeah. So she knows <laughs> to believe them because she knows what's going on in oh, the yeah. universe. She's a, yeah. a, an advanced culture. Yes. Um, and I assume that Guinan is still on the ship in the future. Yes. Interesting. So Guinan in the future, see, I'm trying to understand, I'm, I'm understanding this episode more. So Guinan in the future remembers encountering the Enterprise crew yes. in the past. Yes. Oh, see, it's so confusing. <laughs> I know. Isn't it? <laughs> But I suppose Guinan being Guinan, she's some kind of super being, so she just accepts it and doesn't really give anything away. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wow. I really like this episode uh, because of the levity of it all, especially when Data goes, you know, back for the first time. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And comes across the the bellman or the valet or whatever that guy is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, the funniest thing, like when he's bringing up the anvil to his room to have the large supply of lead and he just yeah. picks it up and he's like, oh man. And then he's like, ouch, my arm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> he realizes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I just think there's some really nice comedic moments uh, in these mm-hmm. two episodes that really... I like it for that reason as well. You're definitely right. Yeah, especially the levity from the rehearsal of Midsummer Night's Dream and Mrs. Carmichael comes in. Oh, she's demanding that rent. She is. (laughs) She's a force to be reckoned with. And who pays rent at 1 (laughs) p.m.? I thought that was odd. (laughs) Rent is due. (laughs) We would just normally do an automated banking payment or something via the internet. I mean, she wants like cash. Exactly. Strange, strange woman. Um, And interestingly, Mrs. Carmichael was played by Pamela Kosh, who also played Giselle, Data's housekeeper in All Good Things. I found that so interesting. So interesting. I know. Listeners, we just haven't spent 10 minutes looking up that information no we did not <laughs> we did, definitely did not this thanks did not happen. to the luxury of time travel slash editing yes <laughs> indeed yes so we should talk a bit more about the davidians i think yeah and who are they okay one thing that i forgot about this episode because i mm. remember the davidians and like how they're stealing the life force and that you know the mm. medical bag captures the energy of the person right as they're as they're dying. And so part of it is that their fear, like when Troy goes in and she's like, you know, this isn't just normal life. These, this Mm -hmm. energy is negative and there's fear and they're scared. So it seems like these Davidians need to have that type of negative energy to feed on. And what I don't remember from this episode was how Picard tries to work with them. Again, always a diplomat of like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to, we need to find you a new food source because you just can't be jumping through time and killing people. So I did like that aspect, which I had totally forgotten uh, that Picard Mm. does. Oh yeah, me too. How do they solve it in the end? 
end, they, there's the two Davidians and they've got their Ophidian-shaped walking stick mm-hmm. that then becomes a serpent which creates, emits triolic waves to open the portal mm-hmm. to that planet in the future. It's a different planet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Davidia 2, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's not only a time portal, it's a portal through space as well yeah. to transport them from Earth. Yeah. To the video. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't really hear any more about them. Right. Like, did they um, find a new food source? You know, and I like that Picard didn't really blame them because they're just trying to eat. Like, that's a, a necessity. So. Yeah, it's a bit like the guys in, where they're all getting taken away and experimented on. Oh, schisms. Schisms, that's, yes. Yes, we like have schisms. that same yes. opinion. We, we don't necessarily know that they're don't to be malevolent right it's just the they're being curious potentially yeah um, even though what they're doing to the crew is horrific likewise what is the plague on earth is it cholera or typhoid cholera yeah and um, we don't we don't know that they've caused that but they maybe just see that there's a lot of people dying and it's a good it's a good place to go and get resources from exactly which shows that they have intent And that it's not bad. I mean, they're going during a time where they wouldn't be noticed and there's already Mm -hmm. a lot of death going on. So they chose a very specific time and place, which I think puts it in their favor that they're just not going out, you know, that they Mm -hmm. are specifically selecting where there's already going to be high death so that they aren't causing it. I mean, they sort of... Are. That's a really good point. You assume that they're a technologically advanced civilization. So 19th century Earth would potentially be really easy for them just to go and colonize and take all the, the food that they wanted. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah, they're not taking healthy people. They're taking people at the edge of death, I mm-hmm. suppose. Memory Alpha says that they're between two and three meters tall. They have no eyes, um, but they possessed an orifice on what most humanoids would call their forehead that resembled a mouth. They lived out of face with most other life forms with a positive phase variance of 0.004. And if you're going to have a positive phase variance, 0.004 is the one you want to have. Yeah. And they also possess the ability to travel through time, which is why we're talking about them. Mm-hmm. There's literally no information about them because Justin's no longer with us. Oh, Are you going to do a book reference now? Yes, well, not many people know this. They appear in the TOS novel, The Eugenics Wars. Oh, Justin loves that series. Yeah, and it's a similar thing. They're trying to feed on humans. Ah, interesting. There's a reference in the Star Trek DTI, the Department of Temporal Investigations uh novels called Watching the Clock and the DTI, as they're called, um, says that there's no point in trying to limit their actions because in doing so you might cause more problems than mm. good. And then in Deep Space Nine, Prophecy and Change, short story, Quark mentioned that transphasic technology that the Davidians um, used could be used to detect them. Hmm. So there you go. That's our book references for the week done. Yes. Very good. I find it interesting that this episode or two mm. episodes is actually a fan favorite because out of mm. all the time travels, you know, and they just have these four, if you will, part one and part two, these four episodes um, on that collection set. And I'm like, there's a lot of other time travel type of episodes, like Time Squared, Parallels, like just to name. Do you think Parallels? Parallels isn't time travel? They're sh- shifting. Well, Between okay, dim- okay. Parallel dimensions. dimensions. Yeah, okay. Yeah. True. true Time enough. Squared. What's, what's Time Squared about again? That's the one where we that see the, the Picard and he's like six oh, minutes. Oh, yeah, he catches up to himself. Yeah, yes. six minutes from in the future. the future. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Or the one with uh, the guy, Max Headroom, yeah. who comes back and he's stealing the... Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Yes, Rasmussen. Yes. Um, yeah, he comes back and steals stuff, yeah. but he's, he's basically just from the past. Yeah. And he but steals that's a, a time, time ship. travel one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also the one where they, there's a doctor, there's Picard's old love interest, and there's the her husband who Data has to beam down to the planet and like pour antimatter into the... This is sounding familiar. Keep going. So it's the one at the beginning, you see Picard fencing with a guy, and then that scene kind of repeats itself. And they were like, do you notice what just happened? Because everything repeated itself. No, I'm drawing oh, a blank. My goodness. The one cat the, the one where Picard goes to Cafe des Artistes. 
That's um well always have Paris, isn't it? Oh yeah, so uh, but that's yeah. that's a holodeck, um, isn't it? And no, they just yeah, uh, go to Earth. There's no time travel in it. Oh yeah, the Enterprise, along with other ships in the sector, experience a localized time distortion, and soon after receive a distress call from Doctor Paul Mannheim in a nearby system. Ah, Mannheim, yes. Michelle Phillips plays Janice Mannheim. So, and it's the time distortions because of his experiments and they're extending out That's kind of through right. the Federation. It's yes. getting further away. What's the name of that episode? Um, we'll Always Have Paris. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were right. Okay. Yeah, that one is good. That's mm. a good time one too. But it's very localized. Yeah. Just really short repeats. Mm-hmm. And you realize that something's happened because of the bit where they come out the, the turbo lift and they see themselves yes. a few seconds in the future. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's move on and talk about our third and final one, which is all good things. Which, if you don't agree that this is the most lovely send-off for the Enterprise D's crew, then there's something wrong with you. Give us a synopsis, please. All right, so in all good things, we have Picard in the present day. We also see Picard in the future, and we see mm-hmm. Picard in the past. And he has to figure out this mental puzzle of what's happening in essence because Q is testing him to see if, again, if we have, if we are worth keeping around according to the Q continuum. To see if humanity is worthy yes. of continued survival, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, I really like this episode. I think my favourite bit is at the end where Picard joins the poker game. Oh. Nothing about time travel. But I, I should have done this a long time ago in a heartbreak. I know, it still gets me. Oh, mm-hmm. when Troy's like, you are always welcome. Oh, yeah. You were always welcome. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> but I, I really like that in, in terms of time travel. I like this because it's like multiple crews working together, but the same crew. Season seven crew of the Enterprise D is the one in the future where they're mostly all split up as a crew. And there's a the one from Encounter at Farpoint mm-hmm. with Tasha Yar back in it. So it's really nice that they trust Picard obviously he has to keep three different hats on past, present and future mm-hmm. this is a bit like a screwed a Christmas Carol story isn't it yeah where he's he's seen he's not seen the ghost of Christmas past, present and future he's seen past, present and future and he has to work with what he's got to solve come some kind of scenario and I think it's the first time we see the hear the concept of anti-time where this distortion in space-time is expanding into the past. I would just call that shrinking, but... Well, and that's what I love that Q is testing. It's like, can you break your, you know, very linear idea of what time is? Like, if something happens, then the reaction happens down the line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he calls it a paradox that your brain was able to figure out the paradox that, you know, maybe it was the future that caused the past, you know, and it just, I get chills every time when, you know, they get to the Devron system and he's like on screen and it's like, oh, it's so much larger here. And then he goes to the future, future Picard, you know, the old senile yeah, one. But- and he's like, on screen, on screen. And there's nothing there. Like that blankness mm. of screen just sends chills. And he's like, where is it? Where is it? Because he's still thinking in that linear fashion. Yeah. You know, it's like, it should be bigger in the future, you know, because yeah. that's how we think. And so to have that moment just be so stark and just a blank screen that comes up. Oh my gosh. That's, that's when it's like, that's when the time travel sense makes sense. Like it's like, Oh, something's going on here. Because this is mm. not fitting my normal, you know, thought process. I suppose nothing about our experience or the way we live naturally lends itself to understanding this backward motion of time. Mm-hmm. So because we're just so used to experiencing time in the forward direction, but without without having a knowledge of, you don't really have to have a knowledge of time to live your life. I mean, you just right. proceed forward, time time passes. It's just the, the apparent change in position of objects around you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a really interesting concept. And I'll really like the scene where they go back to primordial earth oh. and there's a pool of goo and McHugh says oh look there's little amino acids and they're coming together and they missed oh they missed and it's yeah. like that was the that was the kind of the genesis of all life on earth 
these little amino acids coming together to form the first proteins, mm-hmm. then the first building blocks of life, and it didn't happen. Yeah, and that scene wouldn't have been as impactful if we didn't know what was happening to our current crew, like with Nurse Ogawa you know, losing, you know, her child because it's going backwards or like Jordy's mm. eyes repairing itself, you know, again, that time going backwards. That's right, of course. And yeah. so to have those, we know what's happening on our current crew, Enterprise D, then to see that, that it's like, oh, they're coming together and oh, they missed, you know. I really like seeing Picard in the vineyard at the beginning. It's like he's retired from Starfleet. A bit like we saw him at the beginning of Picard TV show. Yeah, We saw him in his vineyard. Very different Picards, I suppose. Obviously, we've got a younger Patrick Stewart playing an old man in All Good Things, and we have an older Patrick Stewart playing an even older man in Picard, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. When is All Good Things set in the timeline? Uh, that's a good question. It's... 2395. Four years before the events of Picard. Four years? Yes. Interesting. Okay, so Picard was meant to be on the vineyard. See what I did there? No matter what he did, he was always going to retire to his vineyard. Yeah. Interesting. So because of uh, my love of wine, and I know where Picard was filmed Mm -hmm. on location. It's called Sunstone uh, Vineyards and Winery. They're in Southern California. So I was curious, where is All Good Things? Where was that filmed? And that is filmed in Temecula, which uh, is a little further south of where Sunstone Winery is. It's, and it is filmed Callaway Vineyards and Winery in Temecula, California. So I was telling my friend, uh, next time we go, we are going to Callaway Wines. Nice. Yes. So if you're in the area, you can... Uh, it's Temecula is in between uh, LA and San Diego. It sounds Romulan though, doesn't it? Temecula. Like a city on the southern continent of Romulus. Oh, okay. <laughs> Temecula. I don't think I've ever heard of Temecula before. <gasps> oh, we have to talk about Picard and Picard. We have to talk about Mrs. Mrs. Picard. And Mr. Picard. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That is very lovely. And that is the USS Pasteur. Mm-hmm. Is one of Ewan's favorite ships. It's a very beautiful ship. It's not got a saucer section. It's got like a spherical mm-hmm. primary hull. Yeah. Which is cool. I like that. I like that difference there. And in the future, we do get a mm-hmm. callbacks to a couple of the admirals that we've seen. We have uh, Admiral Philippa from the Drumhead. And oh, no, not the future. We see Admiral Philippa. Um, from the drumhead that she's the one who turns over the ship at Encounter at Farpoint. Well, the, okay. the past. Yeah. So we see her and we also see Admiral Nakamura. So it's nice to see those. I mean, this is why All Good Things is a really good series finale because we're, mm-hmm. you know, bringing in all seven seasons and, you know, some callbacks that are just great. Yeah, really cool. And we see Andreas Katsoulis again as uh, Tomalot, the Romulan commander. Yes, we do. But this was his one appearance on TNG while he was still filming Babylon 5, playing Jakar, mm-hmm. the Norn, which is one of my favourite shows. Yeah, also. I still haven't seen it. It's kind of a bit dated. Mm-hmm. It was never released in high definition, so it looks a bit old in TV from the 80s kind of thing. Yeah, no, just a really good episode all round. Oh, do you know one other note that I noticed? Because okay. I did watch these three, one right after the other. In the prime timeline, when they went to the Devron system in the neutral zone, the USS Bozeman was there as well. And that is hmm. from cause and effect. You're quite right. Yeah. With Kelsey Grammer, who is going to be a host at STLV this year. So if you're not planning on coming, you should be coming. Right, Don't Joe? Don't book your tickets just yet. Yeah. Amy, give me your final thoughts on everything about time travel. And if you would like, you can also tell the listeners about your intricate knowledge of how time travel works, like the physics and the... the and the math the behind it. The, yeah. yeah, the quantum theory okay. behind it, if you, yeah. if you want. <laughs> All right. Well, again, like I said, listeners, I watched these three, one right after the other. I mean, it was... You know, I'm in isolation. I'm in quarantine mode. So why not watch Star Trek? And I absolutely loved seeing these three all together. I like the, you know, the interplay that they have. And again, for me, the idea of fate 
coming through. Like with all good things, it still is in the discussion because at the end when they're like, well, why do you think uh, the captain told us what was going to happen? You know, because Worf and Riker, they have a falling out because Deanna dies and blah, 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 which is so sad. We know listeners that I was crying when Deanna wasn't there in the I future. I forgot Deanna died. I know. Deanna died. Oh. But so, you know, and they're talking, it's like, well, why wouldn't, why would the captain tell us that? Because he knows that would mess with the timeline and they're, and they're like, well, this was, you know, a superficial timeline. It was created by Q and that's not going to happen if we Mm -hmm. make the choices here. So it seems like in all good things, they really are believing that their choices are going to lead to those experiences and that there is no such thing as fate. Whereas in cause and effect, that idea of fate comes through very loudly with the uh, little sherry glass crashing. Um, With Time's Arrow, I sort of see fate as in when Guinan meets Picard for the first time. And again, sort of her actions by telling Picard, you need to go on this away mission because Picard was just going to sit on the bridge and let the away Mm. team. And she intervenes and says, you need to be on this. And so I, it's interesting to see how fate is dealt with, with these three, uh, time travel episodes. So I really like thinking about that. Um, if I really can't, rank them because all good things and cause and effect are just two brilliant episodes. I love them. They are always on my go-to. If anyone says, well, what? No one's seen Star Trek. What should they watch? Those two are on my list every single time. Mm. Um, and I love all good things as the best series finale ever on this planet ever, 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 and will be, I'm sure. Again, I just, I really have enjoyed looking at these episodes together sort of Mm. as a lump to sort of figure out, I mean, I don't believe in time travel, but I believe that when we think about our past, that does influence our decisions for the future. And so Mm. in that aspect, we could say we time travel. That's a really interesting thought. Yeah, it's always really important to learn from the past. Yes. And let what you've learned from the past govern your actions in the future. In terms of these three episodes, I think cause and effect has to be my favourite. However, I'm going to disagree with you and say the best season finale is what we leave behind from Deep Space Nine. We will just have to disagree on that. See that in Deep Space Nine... That montage of flashbacks with James Darren as Vic Fontaine yeah. singing, but it just pulls at your heartstrings, yeah. and it I tear up every time because it's so poignant that we we see them throughout the seven years run and how their characters develop, and it's just so Miles and Bashir and Kira and Odo and how Cisco and Jake's relationship develops as father and son. It's just so lovely. But the poker scene is that what you just yes, described. I, I, is and maybe just as powerful yeah really interesting discussion in terms of fate and i don't mind that being included in star trek episodes fate and time travel because i like them as concepts and Mm -hmm. um, storytelling constructs but i don't believe either of them are possible i don't think we can time travel Mm -hmm. i think we can i think we do time travel Anyway, in terms of special relativity, and if you go at relativistic speeds and get closer to the speed of light, then for you, time slows down relative to a stationary observer. So yeah, we do time travel, but in terms of jumping back from one point instantaneously to another, I don't see that ever being possible. Yeah. But yeah, really interesting discussion, and we get some little nuggets and good information to talk about. Thanks, Amy. Well, it's been so much fun talking about time travel today, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, The Line, a Star Trek Picard podcast. I like the character, but I would have rather seen Noonien. <laughs> okay, interesting. Tiebreaker to Clerk Zalagi. That's your new nickname is Tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chrissy, what do you think? Since Brandon and I think exactly the opposite. Yeah, um. that's all right. That's why you got to have three people. It works better. <laughs> Earl Grey. No, I think the hat's yeah. going to get bigger, but also double as her <laughs> spacecraft. 
it'll unfold, <laughs> it'll envelop her, and she'll be able to just walk out an airlock and zoom off. <laughs> it's wow. her personal transporter. Oh, there comes the edge. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. I like yep. it, Amy. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. For a logic extremist suicide bomber to be shown on screen in Star Trek, blowing up a ship with a high-profile ambassador on it in yeah. uh, Sarek, it is doing exactly what Star Trek usually does mm. in terms of bringing something from the real world straight back into the show. And I thought that that was one of the most stark examples of that in season one with Vlatak. Yeah. The Ready Room. This story, Una's book, which is excellent, and the upcoming third season of Discovery, from what we've seen so far, are all at their core commentaries on our present day. They're commentaries on Brexit, they're commentaries on the Trump administration, they're commentaries on the sort of the way that countries and governments around the world are turning their back on globalization and they're becoming insular and you know science fiction has always been about social commentary and star trek has been about social commentary and so what we're seeing is modern day commentary on the current climate of the world and that's the reason that these stories are taking the form that they're taking as far as i see it and that's what else is happening on trek.fm Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube and most third-party apps and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. So Amy, oh, do you want a bonus question? I was going to ask you the exact same Were thing. You? Yes. Was it the same bonus question though? Okay, you say oh. yours. Okay. And then I'll tell you yes or no. Okay. If you were be, to be able to time travel... It's starting exactly the same as mine, so continue. Mm -hmm. Back to visit yourself at a point in your past. What age would you visit yourself at? Very similar to mine. Okay. Um, where, when would I travel back to? Gosh, I think, so what's going through my mind right now, listeners, is I'm trying to think what would be the purpose of why I would be going back. Is it that I would want to just see something or that I want to try and influence? Of course, then if I influence, then that would probably be bad. Changes the future. Um, yeah. Also, listeners, Amy was born like in the Victorian times. So there's literally so much to choose from in terms of where she could go back to. Yes, she's really the old. Number of years is <laughs> a very, very uh, a long, long time. Yes. <laughs> okay, you know what? I would probably want to go back to a time that I don't remember, mm -hmm. so that That's I could really have those memories. So I'm going to say I would like to be back, like. When I'm a toddler, like one, two, or three years old. Oh, that's really interesting. So that I could have those experience, well, you know, secondhand experiences, firsthand experiences. What would those be? If I'm watching myself, is that a firsthand or a secondhand experience? Because <sighs> mm, it's you. And toddler you would be seeing adult you in the future. So when you go back to the future, if it's the same timeline, then you would have potentially have the memories of seeing this older version of yourself. Yeah. See, I could go in because my mother was a single mom. I could go in as like a babysitter and babysit myself. So then I could see it and then I would have those memories. Would your mom recognize you? She, I, that's would be interesting. Like a yeah. A maternal instinct that goes, I know you. Because obviously she gave birth to you. Right. So 
This oh, that's be something. That's making my brain hurt. Oh yeah. All right, Joe. Where? What uh, time in your life would you go back? Okay, so to my earliest memory, I wouldn't go back to this time. But when you mentioned toddler the other day, and work, people got hot dogs for lunch. Okay. But they were hot dogs, and now the American hot dogs, and they're in that really kind of cheap bread bun. Yeah. Hot dog bun. It's really nasty, yeah. Mm-hmm. These hot dogs were in like baguettes, like French baguettes. Ooh. It reminded me of a memory, and I think it must be my earliest memory of when I was four, and we went on a family holiday to the south of France, and there was, I think it was a hot dog stand, and they used to get the baguette, and they had a, a heated spike, and they used to put the baguette down on the heated spike to make a like a cylindrical hole through the baguette that the hot dog would go in. But it used to toast the insides of the baguette. Oh. And there was a smell. And the sense of smell is such a powerful kind of memory inducer. When these guys got these baguette hot dogs, it instantly made me remember the smell of these toasted warm baguettes with the hot dogs from when I was four, like 38 years ago. Wow. So I really, if there's any reason to go to the south of France, is to find this little place and see if that that smell memory is the same. Ooh, I Mm. want to go to the south of France with you too. We need to go on this expedition and search this out. Yes. We can take my new car. (gasps) Yes. I've named her Tenuviel from the Silmarillion. And what is that? She's an elven princess, I think, oh. called Luthien Tenuviel from the poem Beren and Luthien. Okay, very but nice. But to answer your question, I would go back to 1996 when I was at university and get myself to do it properly <laughs> and not waste so much time. Yeah, not waste so much time. Don't go to so many parties. Don't stay out drinking, like get your head down and study. Mm-hmm. Don't fail so many exams, pass them first time and do it better. Yeah, but if you influence yourself... Or would I be where I'm at just yeah, now? Yeah, no. exactly. That's why Probably I would not. want to not influence myself because I'm mm. pretty happy with where my life is right now. That's interesting. I'd be so tempted to go back and help myself do it better. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Good bonus question there. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it will come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us and we might read your email on the show. You can find the network on Twitter and Instagram at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. So Amy, where can people contact you when you've not time travelled back to the past to change your own diaper? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is funny. Oh, well... When I'm not there doing that, you can find me on United Federation of Podcast Network hosting mm-hmm. All Good Things with Patrick Devlin. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. And you can, of course, find me on the Babel Conference. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you're not going back in time and feeding on scared souls of dying people? What do you mean going back in time? I do that nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite hobby. Yes. Do you know what I say when I go up to the hospital to visit Ewan? It's not to visit Ewan, it's just to feed on the souls of the dead. Yeah. Also, when I'm not doing that, I totally forgot to tell people where, where, where I can be contacted. So you can tweet me on the Twitter, as usual, at joejo77uk. You can get me on the Babel Conference, or you can email me at joepodcast at gmail.com. And do you know what? I've made a vow to get better at social media. Oh, good. Because I'm a lurker. Oh, I just watch yeah. and read. Me too. I'm very bad. I have some responses that people need Yeah, in the Babel Conference, so I will get around to that immediately. Yeah, I'm a lurker on Twitter. I feel bad for mm. those who follow me because I'm like, I don't really post new things because yeah. I'm a lurker on Twitter. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patronzo. 
It requires a great deal of money to produce, host and distribute these shows each month. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Trebuzio, Jim McMahon, Joe Keegan, and Justin Ozer. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. All hands abandon ship. All hands abandon...